This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, July 16th. And today we are going to be looking ahead to game five of the NBA Finals coming up this weekend. We have ourselves a series it is tied 2-2 between the Suns and the Bucks, plus the latest on Kawhi Leonard and his future in L.A. after the news that he had surgery for a torn ACL. We'll also take a look at Ben Simmons, who's at the center of trade rumors and his fantasy outlook for next year. And we're going to talk a little USA basketball roster dilemmas therein. All of that and more coming up in just a second. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... The charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. As we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast, watching live with us on YouTube, I'm joined by Raphael Johnson and Steve Alexander. Guys, we have a lot to get to today, but I just want to note, if you look under my NBC Sports Edge pullover, you may see the very crest of a jersey there. That is a, a DeAndre Hunter jersey underneath my pullover. I mention that because... We're also going to be shopping for jerseys today, guys. That's coming up in a little bit. Big, big day. Big doings. Big doings. Debts will be settled. Jerseys must be chosen by the end of biz by the close of business today. If not, you're out of luck. So we're making this happen finally after after weeks of talking about it. Let's start though with the NBA Finals. Now tied two two after a pretty thrilling one oh nine one oh three bucks win on Wednesday, which actually strangely feels like an eternity ago to me. I don't know about you guys, but Raph, Chris Middleton was spectacular. He scored 40 for the Bucks. Devin Booker put up 42 for the Suns while fouling out, but not fouling out multiple times. We can talk about that. But, Raph, what stood out to you overall from Game 4? I think Chris Middleton is going to be the big thing there. Uh, what he was able to do, especially down the stretch, putting the team on his back and making plays for them offensively. Giannis wasn't elite, but he had probably the I'd say that the watershed moment of his career to this date with that block uh-huh. shot of you know, DeAndre Ayton alley-oop attempt. And then Drew Holiday didn't shoot the ball well, but he did. He continues to do a good job defensively on Chris Paul. So I think Chris Milton's the biggest talking point there, but 
all three of Milwaukee's stars, you know, stepped up and made contributions where you'd expect them to to get that win and even a series or two. Yeah, watershed is a good way to put it with that alley-oop. And it, it was certainly the watershed moment of this series so far. Like, if you asked anyone, I think, who's been watching this series to say, what's the biggest play of this series so far, it would be that block shot. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, the block shot was awesome. You know, it was an interesting game because Devin Booker bounced back after a rough night and played so well and really put the team on his back. But they, the rest of the Suns just couldn't get it done. Middleton had another monster game, 40 points. Middleton, Giannis both played really well. Drew Holiday did not play well, but Chris Paul suddenly doesn't look like Chris Paul anymore. He doesn't look like the Superman version of Chris Paul. So despite Drew Holiday shooting four of 20 and, and really not playing all that great, he did he did play pretty good defense. The Bucks were able to, to hold on and get another win. This is anybody's series at this point. They say series really don't start until the home team loses, and we've yet to see that happen. Uh, but I'm a little worried about Chris Paul. My boy, uh, my boy Eric Seitz, who lives in Phoenix, and traveled to Milwaukee for Game Three, and he he's been at every Suns playoff game. Uh, he sent me a text yesterday, and he was like, "Chris Paul torn ligaments in his wrist, shooting hand, sprained wrist, offhand, pulled hamstring, 36 year old. Uh, we're in trouble." And I think all that stuff is probably true. I don't know that. Anybody has verified that Chris Paul's dealing with a hamstring injury, but uh, it would make sense. And, you know, both of his wrists or hands are, are kind of banged up. Um, and it sort of looks that way from the way he's he's played the last couple of games. Yeah, he was uncharacteristically sloppy, I'd say, in that game four loss. Five for 13 from the floor, 10 points, seven assists with five turnovers in that one, Raph. I mean, and especially I think the play that stands out to me is that play where he kind of tried to drive and slip and uh, led to the steal. It just didn't look like you, you just don't expect Chris Paul to make those plays in big moments. Yeah. You know, obviously he's banged up, um, but you do have to give some credit to Drew Holiday, as we mentioned, because you look at some of the other series uh, where Chris Paul has played in his postseason, he hasn't been pressured to this effect. Um, I think he had, what, one turnover in the first round against the Lakers. And I was against a point guard who has come out and said that he wants to see it up to $120 million in free agency this summer. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying that to take a shot at Dennis Schroeder, but I think you can kind of tell the difference between a point guard who's worth nine figures, even with Drew Holiday's poor shooting, and a point guard who may be just below that. So, yeah, I think... Drew Holiday deserves a lot of credit. He's not really allowed his offense to dictate his entire game, and that can be difficult for players to do. And the shots aren't falling. That kind of slips over to their defense, and they struggle on that end, too. That hasn't been an issue for him. I think that Drew is due for a big game at some point, and it would be in Milwaukee's best interest if that happened in Game 5 because if they get to a Game 7, I don't know if you want to roll the dice on winning a Game 7 on the road, even though they've already done that in this postseason winning in Brooklyn. So I think he's the guy that I'm going to be watching tomorrow night in terms of what he can bring offensively. You know what he's going to bring defensively, but if he can bring a good scoring effort, an efficient scoring effort, I like Milwaukee's chances if that happens. If you're Milwaukee, I mean, yeah, and you're a Bucks fan, I, I would still, a couple days later, be wondering to myself, how did this team win that game with Drew Holiday shooting four for 20? Because we've talked about it that the big three really have to all play well. And Holiday was, I mean, yeah, he had 13.7 rebounds, seven assists, made some plays on defense, but four for 20. That is a really hard stat line to overcome from one of your star players. 
But I will say, one of you guys mentioned that the rest of the Suns struggled. Booker shot seven for 28. The rest of the Suns starters combined to shoot 14 for 36. That's not great. And what did you guys think of the play where Booker clearly fouled out and the refs swallowed their whistles? I mean, on that play, it was Holiday on a fast break. Booker fouled him about three different times. Would have been his sixth foul. Luckily for the Bucks, Giannis hustled down the floor and got a layup. But I thought that was just flat out egregious, Steve. May have been. I mean, I haven't I mean, gone back and studied all five of Devin Booker's fouls in that game. But I'm, I'm talking guessing, about number six, though. Number six that wasn't called. Yeah, but I'm guessing one of the first five was probably not really a foul. Doesn't work that way. The referee, the officiating in these playoffs, in my opinion, has been a little, a little shaky at times. And uh, yeah, that sure looked like a, a foul on Devin Booker. Uh, looked like they they wanted to keep him in the game because if he was gone, the Suns were done. So I don't know though. I'm not I'm not an NBA official. I think it's easy to say, oh yeah, they swallowed their whistle because they wanted to keep Devin Booker in the game. But maybe they didn't think it was a foul. I mean, it wasn't like it chopped his arm. There was contact though. He kind of tackled him. I thought Aiton getting called for some of those early fouls was garbage. Like he's he's just playing defense. So whatever. I think Booker wouldn't have been in position to potentially foul out had he not given away one of those early fouls. There was one where he gave a foul to stop a fast break. And last week we talked about a FIBA rule that I'd like to bring in in terms of instant replay, being able to hear a conversation. Another one I want to bring in is young sportsman like foul. I think that would really put a stop to these guys giving fouls to stop these fast breaks that might not even be fast breaks. You know, if you let your teammates get back on defense, that's one less foul that you're wasting. And it keeps the flow of the game. I I really think the league needs to look into that because it's a bit aggravating as a fan to watch just random fouls given up and nothing really be called, just a side out of bounds. You give an unsportsmanlike foul, two shots in the ball, I think that would really change things. So you're talking about the foul that stops a fast break but is not a clear path foul? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a really smart basketball play. I mean, uh, you know, when you make no, I'm just saying, I'm not saying I like <laughs> it, but I'm saying that's the kind of play that teammates really applaud when you do it because, yeah, the, they should be doing it with the rules what they are. You know what I mean? But I agree with you that it, it wrecks the flow of the game. I'd applaud it if it's a journeyman or a role player giving the foul. I don't want my star doing it. Like, yeah. I need you out there for as much as I can have you. I don't want you risking early foul trouble or anything to that effect by giving a foul. I think we've seen Luka Doncic give those fouls as well. I don't want him doing that. You know, right. I, I want, if you're going to have anyone doing it, have it be someone that you can easily replace in your rotation. Well, it didn't matter. Devin Booker had about eight fouls to give in that game. So <laughs> he was fine. He was fine. Matt's favorite designated fowler is uh, Solomon Hill. Yeah. He'd have to be in the game to do that though. So it's tricky. It's tricky. Tony Snell. Pat Connaughton, by the way, came up pretty big for Milwaukee, 11 points, nine rebounds in 32 minutes. We kind of have questioned, like, why does Pat Connaughton always get those minutes? He he came up big. He had some huge threes for the Bucks. I'm just trying to think, like, what else stood out to you guys from this game? I mean, one of you guys said earlier, the series doesn't start until a home team loses. I don't know that this series is ever going to start then, because I think we might just continue to go chalk all the way down. Seven games, Suns win. Anyone want to disagree with me there? Another thing, well, you asked what, what's another thing that stood out to me. Like, we haven't really yeah. talked about it, but Giannis, Giannis's stat line from that game was sick. It was 
11 and 19, uh, four of eight free throws, of course. He shot two three-pointers and missed them both, of course. Uh, 26 points, 14 rebounds, eight assists, three steals, two blocks, one turnover. Like, that's that's just awesome. And that's, you know, add in that career-orienting block, and it, it was just a great night for Giannis that was overshadowed overshadowed by Middleton's 40. Overshadowed. I like overshadowed better. Let's go with that. <laughs> I think Jay Crowder deserves a mention, too. Uh, he didn't shoot the ball as well as he did in game three, but his line is like a, a fantasy player's dream. 12, 15 points, eight boards, three assists, three steals, three blocks, and three three-pointers in 39 minutes. Now, if he can give you that type of line against Saturday night, that would go a long way towards the Suns winning that game. Now, obviously, they're going to need their stars to be at their best. But when you can get that type of production from your supplementary players, and I think I expect a home a home court boost for those guys like a Crowder or a Payne, but Crowder's been playing well throughout the series. So I think he definitely deserves a mention. He's been a bit more impactful than I think some may have anticipated before the series began. Yep, uh, I would agree. Yeah, I, It seems like Jay Crowder hasn't really impacted the outcome of many games, but I feel like he's sort of like that Marcus Morris figure for the Suns where if Morris had a big game, the Clippers usually won, it seemed like. But with Crowder, Crowder can have a, a great game and the Suns can still lose, which is a little bit odd. And then there's DeAndre Ayton, uh, 17 boards, five assists, three blocks continues to just get it done continues to fly up your personal draft board steve how many spots did he move up with that five assist three block game (laughs) yeah i think i'm gonna take him top five now (laughs) no that was that was interesting to see him get five assists and three blocks for sure uh as for Giannis, so far in the series through four games averaging 32 points 14 rebounds five and a half assists 1.8 steals 1.5 blocks and shooting 61 percent from the floor Pretty remarkable from a guy who was a major question mark to even appear in this series. Wild stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) We're speechless. Yeah. Not really sure what more can be said at this point. Yeah. I I still don't think he's 100%. Which is incredible if that's true because you can't see any sign of it on the floor. Any sign of him being hindered. Back to the question I asked a minute ago. Do you guys see a road game being won in this series? I don't think so but uh I, I think the series comes down to saturday night game five the winner of game five wins the series what 83 percent of the time or something when it's tied and i you have to think the suns are gonna hold home court i mean that the valley is gonna be rocking it, it's gonna be nuts they, they need chris paul to show up and play well but i don't think so i mean this feels like i know i predicted the suns in six but it now feels like a suns in seven deal if it's going to happen, it's going to be Saturday. That's going to be, like I said earlier, I think if you're in Milwaukee, this is the one you have to get because mm-hmm. a game seven at home, on the road, I should say, they've done it. We've seen them do it, but I don't know if you want to chance that fate two times in the same postseason. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm being swayed by a little bit of recency bias just by having seen Milwaukee win two games and look good at home. I don't know. I, I do feel like they could potentially pull it off in game five. Uh, especially considering that they shot horribly in that game four win. They were seven for 29 on threes, 24%. So they didn't even have a hot shooting game to do it. Now, Middleton was pretty hot, but Holiday, as we said, was horrible. So there are things that could correct in game five. And if Chris Paul is really hurt, like Steve's 
uh, insider source says. I mean, we know the hand injury. <laughs> we've seen that reported. We don't know if the, if the hamstring and the wrist, I think. But in any case, that could be a decisive factor as well. So can the Suns manufacture at this point any offense outside of Devin Booker? Because that was an issue for them. And to me, I personally think the Suns need just a tad more of Cam Johnson because he looks like a difference maker for them. And if they're struggling to score just a little bit, that guy can get you points in a hurry. And we haven't really seen him have really big usage off the bench raft. But he he is a guy to me who could be more of an advantage for them than they're even allowing him to be. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. The campaign's had his moments in the postseason, as we've seen. But yeah, in terms of what they're bringing off the bench at this point, it's pretty much got to be Johnson or Payne you know, to get it done. And like you mentioned, Johnson has the ability to do it. We've seen him put the ball on the, on the floor and drive to the basket. We've seen him knock down some perimeter shots, too. So I think that, and then also they're going to be better for Mikhail Bridges. You know, Bridges kind of disappeared in game four. So you get him back playing to, to the level that he can play at in game five in a home environment, that will go a long way towards getting the Suns back in, on top in the series. Well, and the thing that hurts with Cameron Johnson, he played 29 minutes and shot it six times and played really well. I mean, shot it well, uh, but like Matt said, his usage for those minutes he's in there, they're just not really running through him. And, you know, if you're getting 29 quality minutes out of Cam Johnson and you're getting 39 really good minutes out of Jay Crowder and you get 17 rebounds and three blocks and five assists from DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker, uh, shoots half of his shots left-handed and has just an epic game. And you still can't win that game. I don't know. I don't know what else you do. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. The 149th Open Championship. Once again, America will begin their day watching the best golfers in the world compete on the rugged shores of the North Sea at Royal St. George's Golf Club in England. The Open Championship today to Sunday on NBC Golf and Peacock. Matt, I am watching the Open right now. Incredible. It's right there, right next to me. It's fun. I love it. Did you see, did you hear the Bryson DeChambeau controversy? I, I did not. He said his driver was stupid. And then the makers of his driver, which is Uh-oh. a company called Cobra, 
came at him and basically called him a baby. Said he's difficult. To, like it's pretty awesome controversy. Wow. It, like Bryson's on the on the front page of all the England newspapers and stuff today. They're calling him a crybaby. It's it's pretty awesome. I have called my driver much worse things than that. I gotta say. <laughs> I called mine something really bad yesterday. In fact, <laughs> we have a pretty tortured relationship. Me and me and my driver. <laughs> A lot of peaks and valleys there. A lot of peaks and valleys. Okay, we want to take a minute to look at a couple other big non-NBA finals storylines. First of all, Kawhi Leonard has reportedly had surgery to repair a partial tear in his right ACL. According to Steve's friend, he also has a hamstring, a wrist, a shoulder, and an ankle <laughs> injury. Just kidding. Um, just doing the math, though, guys. I mean, let's. so he had that surgery reportedly this week. Let's say, Raph, we're talking nine months from now, recovery, right? Isn't that about the earliest you can get back from an ACL? That puts us into April. I mean, it's a real possibility he misses the entire upcoming NBA season, right? Yeah. Uh, given past experiences with him in terms of load management and yeah. whatnot, there's no way that they rush this thing. I'm At this point, I'm kind of expecting him to effectively take a red shirt year and not mm -hmm. play next season. Fantasy-wise, I don't think there's any way you select him. You know, if you want to take in a deep league, you want to take like a final round flyer on him just to have him on your bench, you know, as in an IL spot, go ahead and do it. But that's the most I'd be willing to do with him because, you know, even if he gets back in time for some regular season games like fantasy playoff time or just before then, how often is he going to play, you know? So... I don't really. I think the risk far outweighs the reward at this point. I, I don't expect to see him much, if at all, during the regular season next year. Uh, just to be clear, I'm not celebrating the fact that Kawhi Leonard is hurt because I hate when guys get injured. But I am sort of giving myself a pat on the back for. I think my quote was, "I'm just waiting for that tweet to hit that says Kawhi Leonard's having surgery and is is done." And it took a little bit longer than I thought it was going to. I know when I. When I mentioned a source, when we had that conversation three weeks ago, Roth was just shaking his head and he's like, Doc, you, you're an idiot. Like, what is wrong? But that turned out to be spot on. And now I don't know, like you guys said, I don't know if we're going to see Kawhi Leonard uh, next season. Kawhi has a player option for this upcoming season. And the contract becomes an interesting situation, guys, because there are reports I think there was one on Hoops Hype that was blurbed on NBC Sports Edge that he might pull a Kevin Durant, basically, opt out. If some team is willing to sign him to a big deal while injured, that may become his blueprint. Have you guys given any thought to this? Like, what what would you do if you're Kawhi? Are you taking the $36 million to redshirt, Ralph? Or are you looking for a, a longer-term deal in the vein of what Kevin Durant did with the Nets? He's gonna, he won't have much trouble finding a long-term deal if that's the route mm -hmm. he goes. I think he can get an extra year if he were to opt in and then sign a longer-term deal with the Clippers if he were to do that as opposed to leaving. But it all depends on how, how convinced he is that Los Angeles is a place where he can continue in, in the prime of his career. How convinced is he that the medical staff there is, is working in his best interest? So that, that's going to be the key for him. Then you have to ask, wherever he goes, how does that impact the team fantasy-wise? Like, what other wing options are going to be on that team, whether it's the Clippers or someone else? I think Paul George is going to be a player whose value may increase a bit just because of the fact that he's going to be their lone marquee guy. 
So even if you may have questions about Paul, fact of the matter is he's going to be number one and probably number two on their list of options. So he's going to see a lot more action, a lot more usage, kind of along the lines of what we saw in the playoffs where he kind of flourished it. So if if Kawhi goes somewhere else, then you look at the other wing options on that roster, expecting to see a slight bump as well, in my opinion. Kawhi's 30 years old, man. Sits out a year, then he's 31. I don't know. He better he better get everything he can get now. Yeah, that prime, which you mentioned, Raph, is definitely dwindling. I mean, KD is still looking quite good in his early 30s. You know, there are certainly got it's not like past 30. We sometimes maybe overrate, you know, how bad that is for a player's outlook. Obviously, Chris Paul's 36. There are plenty of exceptions, but a guy with Kawhi's history of knee injuries also, it's a little worrisome the older he gets. So I'm with you there. And and I think you raised a really good point a second ago, Ralph, that I don't want to just breeze past. Paul George's fantasy stock is absolutely skyrockets with this news if we assume that Kawhi is done for the year. I mean, we know Steve is not a big Paul George guy, but I think Paul George suddenly becomes a no-doubt first-round fantasy pick now, right? I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah, they, the Clippers still have some other decisions to make with their roster. You know, Nicholas Batum is a free agent for one. You'd expect Terrence Mann to figure a bit more prominently as well. Uh, just mm-hmm. He played well in the postseason, so that's one reason why. But then now with Kawhi getting the, the surgery, they can't keep Terrence Mann on the bench anymore, which is which is good because he's a talented player for one. And two, I think I don't know if I would put him as a mid-round guy, but I think he's a no-doubt player that you have to get picked in, in standard leagues. Yeah, I like that. When we write the draft guide, our, I think our favorite thing – to do is try to predict who's going to be a breakout star next season. I think Terrence Mann is going to be one of those guys that, you know, starts off as, oh, you got you to take him late in your draft. And then I could just see the hype train start rolling. I could see him becoming like a fourth or fifth round pick by the time fantasy drafts get here. And yeah, Paul George, to your point, I'm probably not taking Paul George in the first round, but I, I think he is probably a first round player. Well, and interestingly, Paul George does have obviously an injury history but he's not the load management injury concern I don't think that we think of as Kawhi Leonard as so it's almost like whereas we didn't really want to take Kawhi Leonard in the first round even though he was a first round caliber player when he played suddenly the Clippers top guy is a guy you would consider taking the first round may have taken the first round and maybe without some of that injury risk, if that makes sense. It's almost like this in a weird way, not that there's no good news here with Kawhi Leonard being injured, but in terms of fantasy, this almost creates a first-round stud who might be a little more reliable than Kawhi Leonard was. Raph, were you following any of that? (laughs) Yeah, I was following it, and I have the same feeling on that. Even when Kawhi was healthy, I think because of the way in which his minutes and workload was managed, there was still some hesitation in taking him in the first round. Maybe even right. the second round, if you think about it. But with Paul being that marquee guy now, I don't think it'll take too long. I don't know. I don't, wouldn't put him in like top five, but no. I have a hard time seeing him drop out of the top 10 in any league with this news. Yeah, I'm suddenly, if I'm sitting there at number 10, that's just another intriguing option uh, who could fall to you in your drafts and you could be off to a flying start in your draft. Matt, if I'm in, say, 13 basketball leagues okay. next year, do you think I can avoid drafting Paul George in all 13 of them? Or do you think I'll crumble? I'm going to dedicate some of the remainder of my offseason to getting you to draft Paul George in at least three leagues. That's my goal. All right. Okay. 
Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Sixers have started trade conversations centered around Ben Simmons, according to Shams Charani of The Athletic. It's painfully obvious for anyone who watched the playoffs, this guy needs a fresh start. And in terms of fantasy, Raph, Simmons was just inside the top 100 of nine category leagues this year. 14 points, seven boards, seven assists, around one and a half steals, half a block. And the downside, of course, didn't hit threes, shot 61% of the free throw line and turned it over three times a game. Now, we don't know where he'll be at this point, but Raph, where could you see yourself drafting Simmons in fantasy, if at all? Well, I think towards the back end of the top 100 would be the safe spot for him. And I think part of that will depend on what your other, your earlier draft picks are in terms, especially in terms of free throw percentage, because if you're at a point where you're punting free throws, you may be a bit more willing to, to roll the dice on a Ben Simmons. But, you know, if you're not, that's going to be something worth questioning because he doesn't offer you much in terms of the perimeter shooting. You know, he's not going to give you three pointers. Uh, the overall field goal percentage is good, but at some point, teams are just going to lock down that paint. You know, I think he can get away with that at some points in the regular season, depending on the matchups. But overall, that's a really concerning thing from a fantasy standpoint. But like you said, we don't know where he could possibly end up. Given the news of the day, I think Portland would have to be a contender hmm. because, it, you know, if you're Philadelphia and you see the Damian Lillard news, you kind of have to kick the tires on that see if he can make something happen there because it would make sense. So that's the position of need for Philadelphia and the salaries are pretty close. I think if I'm not mistaken, it wouldn't take too much to kind of match up all the money involved in a trade like that. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think Simmons, he's a top 100 player just because of what you can get defensively in steals, but the, the offensive profile is really concerning there. Matt, you know, we talked recently about my 4 a.m. television viewing habits. And yes. I was laying there at 4 o'clock. I guess it was probably like Wednesday night. And uh, Ben Simmons' One and Done, the documentary, was coming on right then. And I've never I've never seen it, you know. And since I put the blindfold on and did the Ben Simmons free throw challenge, and with all this Simmons stuff that's been going on, I was like, I'm going to watch this thing. And it was, I found it very telling. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but Mm-mm. I feel like his entire focus for his entire life was to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. And once that was met and once that was done, like nothing else really mattered. You know, when he was at LSU, they got absolutely blown out in the NCAA tournament. I think they lost like 71 to 39 or something ridiculous. Uh, no, they didn't go to the tournament that year. They didn't even make the tournament. I think they got blown out in the SEC tournament. SEC tournament. Yeah. And then they pulled themselves out of the NIT and decided we're just going to end the season right here. That year was okay. a disaster at LSU, by the way. So, yeah. That's- yeah. <laughs> well, and Ben Simmons led the team in every statistical category. So, anyway, yeah. that was just the fact that they choked so bad in that tournament. Um, just got blown out. And then, you know, Adidas rolled out the red carpet for him and he – decided to go with nike just i don't know i mean it just seemed like the adidas the, the way the the movie is set up it just seemed to me like he he made some interesting decisions and and the whole goal was to be number one and since then i mean he couldn't he couldn't shoot back then i don't know why we suddenly thought he was going to start shooting later in his career and this, this whole three-point thing from ben simmons is never going to be a thing and i i tell you what if i'm in a points league and i can get him 
you know, relatively late, I would do it, but I'm not touching Ben Simmons in any kind of head-to-head nine cat league. But that documentary is really interesting to watch now that we know what we know about Ben Simmons. I mean, I could easily see the guy getting into a much better situation, having a much a better regular season than what he had in Philadelphia. But I mean, you're immediately punting free throws if you draft him. So I think you have to build your roster the right way, obviously. By the way, if I'm a Blazers fan, hearing what you said, Raf, the notion of of losing Lillard, first of all, is just horrifying to me. And Ben Simmons is not going to ever be the best player on a really good team, right? I mean, any guy who can pass up that dunk, you don't want to put too much on one play. But, man, I don't know. I, like, what is going on? He has – I'm telling you, against the Hawks, the plays where he put his head down and drove to the basket, no one was getting in his way. You know what I mean? So I don't know if that was – the team concept around him, what the team was putting in his ear or him. But I mean, at some point the players got to do it. Like that guy has the tools, even without a jump shot, even with shaky free throw shooting to impact games. You know, he's a worse free throw shooter than Giannis is, but like his blueprint should be Giannis light, you know, I mean, attack that way. Am I just rambling now? I don't even know. He's never been aggressive. He's never been an aggressive basketball player. He just kind of goes out there and lets his talent do its thing. And I, I don't know that he really pushes that hard, Ralph. I think we can talk all we want about shooting form. It's a mentality thing at this mm-hmm. point. Because you look at Giannis. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. Giannis can airball a free throw. He doesn't care. He's going to attack the basket the next time he gets fouled again. He just goes back to the line. Right. And ben doesn't have that. What do he take? Three shots in the fourth quarter of the entire series against the Hawks? Mm-hmm. And he didn't take a single field goal after game three. You know, that, that's that got a lot more at play than just the, the mechanics here. So yeah, maybe he needs to hear some new voices you know, from a coaching staff and maybe even the people he works with during the offseason because what's going on right now, while he's had success in some areas, it's not working if he wants to win a championship or multiple championships. So I think the mental game is the biggest concern as far as, far as I, my point of view. I would agree with that. And it's a it's a massive massive issue. I mean, guys in the NBA do not pass up wide open dunks because they're scared they're going to get fouled and have to shoot free throws in front of the crowd and then hear it from the crowd. Like the mental aspect of this, and again, that goes back to watching that documentary. Like the way that Ben Simmons is built is a lot different than guys like LeBron and Kobe are built. It's just they're just different. And it's funny that we're talking about Giannis and Ben in this podcast together, because I feel like as much as Giannis's block was a positive watershed moment for his career, Ben Simmons passing up that dunk is going to be, you know, that's going to live with him forever. Like we're going to be talking about that five years from now. Remember when Ben Simmons didn't dunk that ball and then his career, you know, I mean, it's going to stay with him forever and it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Where he lands is going to be hugely important. And if not for the glaring issues in his that line, I think I would be a lot more eager to take the draft discount on all of this when it comes to fantasy drafts, where it's like everyone's down on this guy. He would be a tremendous value in fantasy potentially, but there are those issues where you're putting yourself in a hole to start with. So there's a lot, there's a lot here to be worried about in a fantasy league. So I am most likely going to let someone else draft him because I'm not good at punting categories in fantasy. I just I don't do it well. I think there are people who can do it well, and I tip my hat to you. It's not a strategy I've effectively pulled off in my long fantasy career. Yeah, I'm not a big punter 
of categories either. Rap, do you punt? Or are you a punting man? Not intentionally, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't decide until like the fifth round. Yeah, you don't really have a choice until you get to like mid-December and you realize you need help in one area, but you can't find it on a waiver wire. That's when I kind of get into the point. So, you know, all right, I'm probably not going to win rebounds in this head-to-head league, but we'll just try to make it work in other areas. Okay, quickly, want to talk a little U.S. men's basketball. Some news coming out of that roster with Bradley Beal out for the Tokyo Games reportedly due to COVID protocols. So this team, guys, we were talking a little bit offline before we started. This team has a bit of a dilemma. And we were talking about maybe they need to get on the phone and call up a certain Atlanta Hawks point guard. You know, you lose a big-time scorer, big-time playmaker in Bradley Beal. Hey, guess who's sitting at home or wherever he's sitting right now? Possibly in Cancun. We don't we don't actually know. Trey Young. Raph, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think he's one of the calls that they have to make. I'm sure we'll get into Kevin Love and Jeremy Grant in a bit here, but the, the one glaring deficiency that I've seen from this team, especially amongst its guards, is that the lack of a facilitator. They've got a lot of scores, mm-hmm. but when your best facilitators are Draymond Green and Bam out of bio, I think that's a bit of a problem when we're talking about international play. Um, it, the FIBA game is, is a lot different than the NBA game, as we've seen. You know, they're still kind of going through their paces, you know, getting used to each other and, and whatnot. That's big reason why they lost those first two scrimmages. You know, you give credit to Nigeria and Australia, but they're still clearly working through some things. Trey Young, obviously, he's, he's asked to score a lot for the Hawks, but I think he can adjust his game when you get him in a, in a situation like this where he may not be asked to score as much, but he's asked to do a bit more in terms of setting guys up, and it's not like he can't pass the ball. We've seen him pass the ball plenty at Atlanta. It's just that they ask him to do so much scoring that sometimes it may get overshadowed. So I think he's one obvious call they have to make. I wouldn't be surprised if Julius Randle got looked up as well in terms of front court help. But I think the front court is a bit more glaring right now. But they also need that that point guard play too. Also, we haven't mentioned this yet, but we were talking about this offline as well. Trey Young had a very interesting tweet uh, yesterday, that being Thursday, where he posted, I think it's a video from Isaiah Thomas from The Last Dance, right? Where he's saying, I met the criteria, <laughs> but I wasn't <laughs> selected. And that he had the kind of sullen face emoji with a U.S. flag right below it. Yeah. So clearly we know what he's talking about. And as to the passing aspect, I mean, I think Trey Young's the best passer in the NBA. He scores a lot because he has to, but I think if you were to put that guy on the roster and say, hey, you're going to set everyone else up, I think he would be more than willing and more than able to do it. I'd love to know. Who's a better passer in the league than Trey Young? Sorry to interrupt you, Steve. Go ahead. Luca. I walked into that one. I walked into that one. Trey Young is a great basketball player. Like, he's so much better than I ever thought he was going to be. And, you know, the all-star snub and the Olympic team snub, I don't know what's going on or why people aren't all on board with Trey Young, but man, the way he played for the Hawks in the playoffs, the way he played for them down the stretch, like something's got to give, like he should have been an all-star. He should be on this team USA. I mean, they really only have two point guards and one of them's not even there yet. They've got Drew Holiday and Damian Lillard. Like they need Trey Young on that team, especially losing Bradley Beal, who is a scorer, a shooting guard. And, you know, Trey can handle the ball pass, and he's also an incredible scorer. He, he's, he's perfect. I don't – hopefully they're calling him. 
To Raph's point, Damian Lillard is an incredible point guard, but he really is. I mean, where he shines is as a scorer, not to say he doesn't ever make nice passes, but I mean, he is a score first point guard and he's fantastic at that, but he's not a dominant facilitator or anything. And one thing I'll say as a Hawks fan, as much as I want, I do want Trey Young to get the call. There is a part of me, though, that just wants him to have that much more fuel this offseason, too, because we've seen it written about, you know, Chris Kirshner has written about it in The Athletic, where Trey Young takes these snubs and they fuel him. So I think it's a win-win if you're a Hawks fan, I guess. Maybe nobody cares. But to me, it's like you're either going to see him in the Olympic team or he's either going to have more fuel this offseason that he is just stewing. Well, to that point, Matt, I'm fine with him sitting at home or sitting in Cancun all summer and resting also, like... I don't need him, you know, to put up all these miles on his on his legs, you know, if he doesn't have to. So I'm I'm really okay either way. But yeah, you've convinced me. Don't call Trey Young USA basketball. <laughs> well, let's let's let him rest. Let's let him be motivated. No phone call. I've changed my mind. Who's next? What are we doing? Hello. I, I think. Oh, yeah, Kevin Love has decided to withdraw. <laughs> I I didn't really think he should have been on the team to begin with. He was banged up all season. He didn't play particularly well when he was out there. And then there were some moments during his run with the Cavs this season where you kind of wondered if he actually liked playing basketball. Mm -hmm. Like the incident against the Raptors where he just kind of got frustrated and threw the ball away leading to another <laughs> layup. There's a game where he decided not to attempt a single shot. That made his inclusion on the roster a bit befuddling to me and many other people. And they tried to explain it, you know, in terms of how his fit as a big on the international stage would really help that team, but they just really didn't see it. So he's out. Jeremy Grant is in COVID protocols. They're hoping that he'll be able to get cleared in time to go to Tokyo, but these aren't the smoothest of times for USA men's basketball. I'll say that much. Is that, that might be the most disrespectful. I mean, I know it's not, there's different positions and you've got to fill out a roster a certain way, but Kevin Love over Trey Young, that is, that is flat out rude at this, at this stage of the NBA timeline, of the world and NBA timeline. I mean, come on, that's flat out disrespectful. There are people listening to us right now like, wait, I thought Kevin, I thought Kevin Love retired two years ago. He's still playing <laughs> basketball. He is still printing money in Cleveland. It's ridiculous. Well, anyways, we'll be following that as well. Quickly, before we get out of here, we have to make decisions, Steve. Raf, due to a bet that was made before game six of the Eastern Conference Finals, Raf said Trey Young wasn't going to play. Steve said Trey Young was going to play. Trey Young did play, even though he was clearly pretty hurt. Anyways, that one, Steve, a jersey. Steve, has your selection been made? You have to inform Raf of your pick. Yes. As you have already guessed, probably, it's going to be Michael Porter Jr. Okay. And I'll reveal my size and my address later. Yeah, you, okay. you can just you can just send it via text or email. We're not going to, obviously, you're not going to ask for that information on here. But yeah, oh, you I have a Michael Porter Jr. jersey in your possession in the near future. I can't wait. Steve, please provide your size, your address, your credit card information, and your social security <laughs> number right here on the pod, if you would. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I know we weren't going to do the addresses, but I was not really yeah, wanting yeah. to throw the size out there either. But whatever. Matt, what are you doing? Uh, here's what I'm doing. So Steve and I, as people know, if you listen to the podcast, have had a season-long Luka Doncic free throw bet over under. The second annual. 
the second annual, I lost the first one, which provided you with a Trey Young jersey that you never wear for some reason. Actually, that's not true. You have worn it a few times. But I won year two. Luca's free throw, I mean, he missed it. He ended up missing by a lot, I think. It was touch and go there for a minute. But His free throw shooting down the stretch was horrific. Like, he got really bad this, this yeah. last month of the season. I don't, I'm not sure what was going on there. I talked about Daniel Gafford for about 90 consecutive days on this podcast. And for a while, I was leaning that direction. But I can't, after the playoff run that the Hawks had, I cannot acquire a jersey from another team. It is going to be a Hawks jersey. I debated going with Kevin Kavon Herter. I, but you see, I have a Cam Reddish jersey. I have a Trey Young jersey. I have a John Collins jersey. And I have a Bogdan Bogdanovich jersey. So I needed something I don't have. So I have decided, and I looked around the jersey market. I've decided I'm going to, <laughs> for Jared Johnson, who's not here today, I'm going oh, to go. Capella. Capella. <laughs> capital C, capital A, capital P, E, 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 L, 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 A, A, Every time the Hawks played, I just got blasted with Capella's. Blasted. Yeah, I found a pretty cool. It's not a standard duplicate of a jersey. You know the ones that like have the name on the back and the number, but it's kind of in a slightly different way. Anyways, nobody cares, but that's what I'm going. You've with. done your research on the jersey market. I like it. I have. <laughs> you had some spare time on your hands. We promised shopping for jerseys, and I shopped for jerseys this morning. I just want to say I did it. Well, we'll have to we'll have to organize a jersey day where we all wear our jerseys. Absolutely. On the Absolutely. I'll provide you with all my personal information right after this, Steve. <laughs> okay. A quick programming note. We're on a win- we're on a Monday-Friday schedule here for the next couple months ahead at least. And want to let you know also, though, next Wednesday, July 21st, we have a live NBA draft preview show. We'll be looking at the draft with our Fantasy Hoops crew here with the NBA Sports Edge betting crew as well. So we're looking forward to that this coming Wednesday, July 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern. That will do it for us today, though. Don't forget to subscribe and Apple podcast on Spotify. Wherever you listen, take a second to rate and review us as well. Thanks to everyone for listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube. YouTube, Raph, Steve, thanks to both of you guys. Have a good weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Yeah, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.